Hello everybody and welcome to What's the Story podcast. This is WPS 293. My name is Danny Murray. And I'm Graham Merrigan. That was quite a delayed reaction, Graham. Were you distracted momentarily? I was distracted momentarily. Apologies. All right, that's quite all right. How are you, my friend? Are you doing well? I'm very good. How are you? I'm absolutely flying. Graham, I'm on a week off from work. I've, um, I've been indulging in everything that you shouldn't indulge in too much these days, everything in moderation and all that crack. And I'm just been enjoying the weather of a nice little morning routine, sitting out in the sun, just sipping a coffee. I'm I'm like one of those hours. What hour three. though? It's about quarter to six in the morning. Uh, no, like I mean, the sun wouldn't have enough heat at that hour for me. So about seven, I'm out in the back garden, <laughs> working on my tan, reading your day off. Loving life. It's great. I'm very chilled. Very mellow about the world now this week. I was slagging you last week or the week before about your facial furniture, but it seems to be coming on, except the moustache bit. It's not bad, is it? It's all right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I I got a haircut last week, so I think that's helped emphasize because the sides are shorter, so it's helped emphasize the the beard. I just, I need to, I need to figure out a way. I don't, can I go to Turkey for a moustache? John, I lads are going to Turkey for... (laughs) (laughs) I got a turkey tash. Is that a thing? Yeah, you make it a thing. Start, really? Imagine, I'd love to see you email a doctor about inquiring about hair on your mustache. Man, I reckon somebody else is. There's fellas out there who definitely have said, I, I need a beard. I want the beard. I'm going to Turkey. And they've got a two for one special on the teeth and on the beard. Definitely. Oh, stuff the lights. Come here, do you know what I just reminisced there about as we were talking about that? Remember mm. the episode and we were... Like we are going eight years this month. Yeah. Um, and remember the episode we did when we used to record in the gym and me and you had it in our heads. It'd be a great idea to ring the ho- hotels we we stayed in in America just to have a chat. And we just didn't do it because it was shy. I, I don't remember it. So that tell you, you how it must have been. We were in the we were down in uh, the gym. Around where we used to record on the sofa, and yeah. we said bring the MGM and just have a chat with the receptionist or have a chat with the manager, and then we rang a few other hotels, and it just it was shy. It was we mock, wasn't it? Know. Yeah, look, not not all your ideas can be bestsellers, Graham. You know, that was your idea. <laughs> I mean, look, I've had some good ones, I've had some bad ones. That's that's all right. I can't remember. I can't believe you can't remember that one. Yeah, we no. were we were in work talking about thinking how enthusiastic it was going to be. That we were going to create this lovely content of uh, ringing random places in America. Yeah. And it was just shy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, there was a lot of learning in the early days. <laughs> There's a reason some of those episodes aren't really available anymore either. <laughs> yes. so, like, you know. um, oh, did you delete them? I didn't delete them. They're just harder to find because they're not on the feed. So you can't still oh, get them. Down, and I'm not encouraging people to go back and listen to it. Where can they get them? Just WTSpod.com? Yeah, that's somewhere in there. If you go digging, if you go digging oh, for right. there's there's three hundred odd episodes. You'll have to go, and it's eight years ago. Like it's not worth listening to. Not worth. It's not worth it. Not worth it. Stick to the the stuff in the last sort of five years. That's a bit better. Somebody sent me um, a message recently because it was the anniversary of our first live show, WTS one hundred, and they went back and listened to it, and they they enjoyed the giddy nervousness that I was portraying, and they said Mero uh, seemed like he was extremely calm and collected. And uh, I I do remember on the day I was breaking it, but like once we you're got breaking the, show, it the, the week of it, once we got the show time, you were 
you were grand. You had this weird confidence about you, and I was very suspicious that you were on drugs as a result. But you seemed <laughs> to be horrible. Well, it was. I mean, a lot of our family and friends were there, so it was it was a good buzz. That's what made me nervous, Graham. I think that says a lot about the. I think that says a lot about the supportive nature of the American family versus the absolute rip the piss nature of the Murray family because <laughs> I was breaking it. <laughs> I'd I'd love to do it again in that same setting. Ah, uh, maybe one day we will. Maybe one day we won't. We're definitely not keen for you. You had it on on that hundred episode and the one that we did in the Workmans the week of both. You just had a shit the bed moment in both weeks. Yeah, but Graham, it was a huge amount of work to go into those live shows, and I was the one doing the producing, the editing, the writing. You just had to turn up. I'm not. I was just saying you just had the shit the bed moment. Because yeah, I was doing. You, you, one of them, you pretended that you lost your voice, and I had to do it on my own. Sorry, I was now. Listen here. <laughs> Hang on a second now. You did firstly you didn't do it on your own, right? I had tonsillitis, <laughs> right? Diagnosed by a medical doctor on some sort of horse tranquilizer type antibiotic that I had to take. I think I actually ended up on uh what you call it? What's the the, the syphilis drug? <laughs> Ketamine. No, not you. penicillin. The syphilis drug. Doesn't penicillin kill everything? If you get a drippy Mickey, don't they give you penicillin? <laughs> drippy Mickey. You do, don't they? Oh, I don't know. You do know. You've had it a few I've times now. Had a drippy you absolutely. Mickey. We're going to have Gary and Paul on the podcast again soon, and we'll be discussing this further then. But I'll let you We're going to be discussing now. drippy Mickeys. Your drippy Mickey, particularly. <laughs> 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 I withdraw all those for legal reasons I withdraw all those comments perfect withdrawn yeah brilliant um, geez, we're waffling look we just go straight to our guest because it's a very 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 good interesting fascinating brilliant wonderful guest this week Graham absolutely um, we are talking to the host of For Tech's Sake Pod Elaine Burke and we'll be talking tech science and all things in between Um. Elaine also contributes to Ireland AM and The Last Word with Matt Cooper. So here is the great Elaine Bork. Now joining us, who's just surprised me with a rotten balls jersey. Um, <laughs> it's the great host of Protect's Sake podcast, Elaine Bork. Elaine, thanks for joining us in your dirty, dirty jersey. Yeah, I'm really just here to troll you in the jersey. Yeah. Well, um. it's, a good, it's, it's a good message on the sponsorship, I will say that, but the rest is a shit show. <laughs> I honestly think it's the best fashion item we've had on this podcast. I mean, we've, we've had some fashionistas on the podcast over the years, and we only had Neil Warren on a couple of weeks ago, Graham. So, you know, I mean, listen, great choice, Elaine. Great choice. <laughs> I think Neil so actually got frequent bows as well. Good. Because they're, yeah. they're, they're cool club. Oh, uh, yeah, the hipster. Seen at the women's game last Saturday. It's great. Uh, I, I know, and I got tickets to see her today, and I was like, oh, no, she's wearing bows as well. <laughs> It's just taking over my life. All the people I like are just turning up in Bose jerseys. <laughs> that, that should be a message to you, my friend. That should be a message to you. It should be a message. Anyway, Elaine, how are you? <laughs> I'm good, yeah. Um, busy these days talking about tech. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you well know. Uh, everyone's interested now in the stuff that I cover, which is really fun. That's great, though, isn't it? Because like the podcast has obviously hit off like... Yeah, yeah. Um, it's getting a great reception um, and it's a great opportunity to talk to you guys and maybe some of your listeners will listen to our podcast and enjoy it um, because it's, you know, it's a bit like what you do where we have a chat about these things, but we also bring in 
experts and we tried to lean towards like science-led experts as well and give them the time to kind of explain things but not in an inaccessible way it's all very accessible um, and hopefully makes people think about tech a bit differently like we try not to borrow too much from the idea of tech that is actually sold to us by tech companies a lot of the time which is that we need any of this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> We're actually quite tech skeptical for two science and technology journalists. Um, because I think a lot of the issues in tech that I have are that it's just this kind of capitalist consumerist machine um, rather than something that's practical and useful. Like you can call it um, a technological revolution, but that revolution is putting stickers on your Instagrams. Like how fucking useful really is that? <laughs> Yeah, loving old sticker, mate. Um, <laughs> right, before we go any further, then let's get the plug in nice and early so that people do go and lads do hit subscribe and all that kind of crack. What What's the podcast called? Where did you get it and all that crack? Elaine? Yeah, so it's for tech's sake pod. So like for feck's sake, but for tech's sake, uh, the idea being like some tech is just for tech's sake. And we talk a bit about that and mm. you can get it anywhere. You get your podcast. Uh, we also have like bonus content with the Head Stuff Podcast Network it's just the full interviews that we have with if you're really really interested in the experts that we heard from um and it comes out every fortnight so uh there'll be one coming out next on the 14th of june brilliant dan, now, to, to i jump. remember sorry dan i remember when i first um saw you uh was on ireland am and as soon as you said or as soon as Mirren maybe or tommy said uh elaine from for tech's sake i was like for tech what and then i listened and i was like holy shit and I said months ago damn we need to get this girl on the pod she was like because the interview was like you said there about accessible accessible the language is it was accessible it was it was easy to listen to and not 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 to be kind of disrespectful but you know that those books where it has like some something for dummies is that those type of books yeah, yeah. you know it was like I wasn't bored by it you know and and I was working and I was like deadly that was brilliant and again, most recently, when you were talking to them about AI, that just blew my mind again. So I think you're doing brilliant work, Elaine. Oh, thanks. Sorry, Dan, go on. No, I was, I was going to say, on the perfect slash tech sake buzz, and on what you were saying there a second ago about some stuff just seeming like it's for the sake of it. Earlier this week, Apple had their big show, and <laughs> I think everyone with a brain kind of went, hang on a second. They're asking for about three and a half thousand dollars for what? Yeah. What what, what they're is asking, this? They're asking for three and a half thousand dollars for you to be part of their RD machine. Because <laughs> this isn't a proven concept at all. They don't yeah. have like a need that they've identified for this technology. And they're just kind of throwing it out there and being a bit like, what are we going to do with this? Now to be fair to Apple, that conference that was announced, that is their worldwide developers conference. Yeah. It is aimed at developers, but they had like a thousand from the press corps there, which is really funny because people used to turn up to these things for the live event. Like it used to be Steve Jobs would come out and announce something and then you get your hands on it afterwards. They still get to trial the things afterwards, but they just had to sit there watching a screen. That was a pre-recorded presentation from Apple. So there wasn't even a live presentation, even for the people who were in Apple Park in San Francisco, which is just like a joke. So you're watching a pre-recorded presentation of a concept that presumes that in your life, you would want to operate with a screen strapped to your face. And it's just so far removed from what anyone would like to do in their lives. It's just dementias. Where, where, would, where would someone wear these yokes? Like I was watching it going... Like, who asked for this? Nobody asked for this. And like they had in their clip, they had, um, and that's funny as well, because like you can't really 
do a good presentation of VR technology. People have to yeah. use it to actually understand how it works. So it's all just these like um, CGI graphics. So it's like, yeah, but does it actually look like that? Does it actually work like that? And they showed this woman taking it out of like her suitcase in a hotel room so she could do some work. And I'm just sitting there thinking, it's like, yeah, I can do that with my phone. <laughs> I can take my phone out and I could work anywhere. I could do so much work on my phone smartphones are a great thing for that also a bad thing because they make us work too much and turn us into working robots which is a whole other thing that the tech world tries to do to you <laughs> all this talk of like optimization and the quantify itself that's just tech trying to turn people yeah. into like the most efficient workers they can be big time, yeah, big time. <laughs> it's it's like i was kind of baffled by when Zuckerberg was banging on about the metaverse and then everyone got really giddy because suddenly in the metaverse you could have legs and it was seen as this big huge thing and I was like is this for real like is this the, actually- leg- the legs weren't even generated in the metaverse that was CGI'd they did that with motion capture just for the sake of the presentation and this is what I mean about the fakeness of the presentations as well yeah. so Steve Jobs is when we started that whole big tech announcement like making a big hoo-ha about a thing um, but it's only ever gotten worse since his death instead of anyone being able to improve on that. Um, and yeah, like there's a lot of this kind of like pre-recorded demos and like shortened sequences and stuff like that. And it's like reporters then take that information and then write that up as if that's it. Like this is the technology that they presented. This is what it is. It's like, that's not what it is. Did you get your hands on it? What did it feel like? Did it actually work the way they said it would? Like what actually has happened here and what has been announced? Um, and in the case of like the metaverse one, he was all like, we got legs and people were screaming and hooting and hollering. And then after the fact, it was like, no, they didn't have legs. They were done via motion capture because he didn't have anything like that software ready in time for the presentation. Like the whole thing about VR is just mad. I got to have a little go of VR before um, where I got to put on a headset and I fell over because of it, right? Because they, they had a couple <laughs> of programs where, and it was like, want to go to Everest Base Camp? And I was like, yeah, we do. So I'm just going along. And like, in fairness, you do kind of, because you're looking around, oh, Jesus, do you know what I mean? And, but like, it's great for about five minutes. And after that, you're you're very self-conscious and you're a bit kind of like, I'm, I'm wandering around a living room with this headset on. I'm not actually <laughs> fighting zombies. Yeah, like, it's, it's You look like a dog. Because yeah, yeah. the things are big, massive. There's nothing like we are. are they heavy? Are they heavy? Depending on the model, like the yeah. newer models, they're making them lighter uh, because obviously that's a big problem. You get neck strain, like we bad enough with our thumb strain that we have these days. Like you get really bad um, physical problems with using some of the older versions of this. But that's what they're optimizing for now. But it's it's like what you said there. there there's like fun things that you can do with this stuff, but is there any demand for that i I see them as kind of being as relevant as you know like the, the 4d cinema in the yeah. theme park you know that's fun when you're out on a day out in the theme park but no one gives a shit about having that at home and like it's just like when you get like zuckerberg getting really excited about this stuff and he's really excited about it he rebranded his entire multi-billion dollar company around this concept and it's just like yeah it turns out a billionaire since he was in his early 20s doesn't have a fucking clue what normal people want from that yeah <laughs> There's a yeah. shock. But is, 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 I don't know. I mean, like, look, I'm I'm not a tech person, so I, I can't, I don't know. But it just, I get the same bang off this that I got off 3D movies and 3D TVs when they were out a couple of years ago. And it was kind of like, who's paying five grand for this thing? Would you? Yeah. No, come yeah. On. They've tried a few times a 3D though, haven't they? Oh, yeah, yeah. They, like I mean, they tried it big time after the first avatar that's when it got really yes, intense. they yeah. tried it a few times around that before that after that but it was a real intense period and i was working as a tech journalist at this time 
and it was James Cameron was like making a fortune out of Avatar. People weren't seeing it as like a new generation of cinema. <laughs> Look where we are now. Um, and it was all about like bringing that 3D experience to the home experience. And again, I see that as a misunderstanding of like the cinema as an experience. Like they really didn't seem to understand that what we do at home when we consume that kind of entertainment is actually quite different to the cinematic mm. experience. And this, all of the big players in TV started investing in 3D TV. It was all anyone would talk about for months, like for a good chunk of a year, I would say it was all 3D TV, 3D TV, 3D TV. And then it was like, no one wanted it. No one was paying for it because you have a perfectly good TV at home that you don't have to wear glasses to watch because you would have had to wear special glasses. They were trying to work on glass-free, glasses-free 3D TV. And that would involve like um, having, say, like the LEDs and stuff like that angled in certain ways that they project in different directions as opposed to be on a flat screen. Well, that'd be really, really complicated to work out for a technology that'd be prohibitively expensive and that no one actually wanted because there's no need for it. We actually have really amazing televisions in our houses these days. Like uh, my, um, basically my mother-in-law has one that is like nearly the size of half of her room because she won it in a raffle. <laughs> Deadly. <laughs> it's like, it's unbelievable. I'm just like, that's that's a lot of TV you've got going on there. Love it. Yeah, we've got one that I've like inherited from my sister when she upgraded it. And it's like one of those plunky ones that still has a like a big bulbous back and everything. And I'm like, this still works fine. Yeah. But that's, that's the other side. You were only talking about that last yeah. week, Danny, about those big, the, the tellies used to take up half your sitting room. Like, yeah, like that, that whole flat screen stuff, that's because of like OLED technology and stuff like that. And like like LEDs, like the things that I get really excited about in tech are those small things that we are nearly invisible to us now. We don't even mm. think about, but like LEDs are why you have such great resolution in your smartphone screens. Um, and they're also low energy, um, typically speaking now, because like people are now buying like fucking 60 inch TVs and stuff like that. They're not mm. as low energy as they could be. Um, but that's also interesting as well, because I was talking to someone recently who's involved in recycling. Um, and figuring out the recycling of LED TVs and LCD TVs was a whole thing that she's worked out. And she she's an Irish entrepreneur and, and she's a scientist turned entrepreneur. And she figured out a way to create like this robotic system that can disassemble a TV. And um, because the problem was like you have all these different form factors of these tellies, but um, they're not all like the same. There's no real standards because there's different sizes, uh, different manufacturers and stuff like that. So to actually recycle them is really difficult, especially if you want one system for all uh, TVs, all monitors. But she's figured that out because she's a genius. Uh, <laughs> she's telling me all about like the problem with like tech waste and stuff like that. And she says perfectly good TVs end up getting sent for recycling. And they could have been resold or reused instead of being sent for recycling. But what happens is even the process of getting them to the recycling center, they normally get damaged in that process. And like repair is actually really, really difficult because the way uh, manufacturers build things there, they fuse a lot of things together. They've no, they don't care for you to resell things. And there was another article recently about like pallets of fully functional, perfectly unboxed TVs getting sent to shred it for shredding in landfill. Because if they go onto the resale market, the value of the TVs that they're trying to sell in the new generation goes down. So there's a lot of, like that's mental, isn't it? So what, what fast like, fashion? They don't talk about fast tech. That's what happens in tech as well. Yeah. I was just going to ask you, is that fast tech? Yeah, it's exactly that. It's the same thing goes on in tech. And the thing about tech is like this isn't just you know textile materials that could be reused. This is precious metals. Like there's like yeah fragments of gold and stuff like that being used. There's like these rare metals like indium and um, cobalt that are mined in atrocious settings. All uh, in, in like 
uh, kind of economically disadvantaged areas that have been exploited for these resources. And we just throw them into landfill because once a year, Apple brings out a new phone and goes, this one's green. Buy this one. It's yeah. green. <laughs> but that's, we're, we're all suckers for that kind of shiny gimmick, aren't we? And it's like you hear a lot about it with like EVs and people talking about EVs being really good for the environment compared to, but then it's also a case of, yeah, but if you have to trade in your three-year-old car and then oh, you're the the, 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 the stuff that goes into the batteries, where does that come yeah, from? So like it's, yeah. Their batteries are even bigger. So there's more lithium needed for them. And they're yeah. currently, if you needed, say, because they'll need to be replaced. Batteries will wear down eventually, especially if you're using it for a car because it's such a highly energetic kind of process. The resources we currently have of like lithium and cobalt and, and the materials that they'll need for that, we could probably get through two cycles of EVs and that's it. That's terrifying. Yeah. What? Because we're not recycling this stuff. Like they're just like extracting all these precious metals, using them for tech. Because they're all short-term thinkers. Because they're all thinking, "I'm a billionaire. If things go to yeah. shit, I'll move to Mars with Elon Musk, and everything will be grand." I honestly, I think I'd rather be consigned to getting kicked in the rocks for eternity than go to Mars with Elon Musk or anywhere. Go with anywhere. Elon Musk go anywhere matter. with yeah. Elon Musk. Um, that's that's the, when the circles of hell. I think. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the 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 TV thing though is because even I remember like as a kid, Meryl, we were talking about this. Like I always remember my granny's TV and the 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 bulb thingy for the technical term going on it, and there was a fella who'd come around and fix it. Whereas now, with your telly breaks. It's gone. You don't, you get a new one. They don't bother getting a fix. No, nothing gets fixed anymore. You're just, oh, I'll get a new one. That's- yeah, there are makers. There's people in this movement called like the maker movement and they often do things like repair cafes. And I think, um, yeah, Togue Hacker Space, which is based in Black Pits in Dublin, uh, they host repair cafes. And if you look up repair cafes, uh, you hopefully will find one in your area because they're not they're not as well advertised as, as they could be because they're volunteer-led groups. Yeah, yeah. Like, such a great idea. Yeah, because we don't fix things. And even the skills at repairing are falling off. So, so it's nearly like they talk about like barrel makers, you know, the coopers that make barrels for yeah. Asian and stuff like that. That's a skill that's dying off because it's not being passed down. Like repair, general repair of electronics, which is, is a quite modern skill, that's being lost. As well, yeah, yeah, it's mad, isn't it? Like, because... you used to always have a TV repairman in every estate, like, yeah, because you'd need it, and that's the thing, you like those, it, those yeah. cathode things, and you'd feel the static on the room, yeah, like just a whole different technology. Now it's all flat screen, and it kind of has. I sound like one of those uh saps who's like, you know, you can just hear the quality of the vinyl, it's got it's got a texture to it, a texture <laughs> to it. and I, I do have a vinyl player and a vinyl collection, so I am that, that asshole. <laughs> like, like there's a there's a certain kind of like sanitization of, of products that has happened and it, like things are just kind of like all slick and sexy and it's a little less fun. I think. Yeah. No, don't, I remember on, on which on the vine, like I mean, don't if, I, if I'm out and about, like I've, I've got Spotify or one of those streaming things on my phone, but when I'm at home, vinyl above my head there, I, I just, yeah, I'm with you on that. The little crackle, you know, the little crackle at me, you know nice. what I mean? It's Great. an experience. It's tactile, you know? Yeah. The, the the fast tech thing though, because I remember about three or four years ago, a friend of mine bought a TV on Amazon and um he was checking uh the tracking, the delivery tracking, and they said they had delivered it, but they didn't. So we rang them up. Anyway, long story short, he sent them two TVs and they basically said, Is if there's is there a scratch on the box in the first one? And he said, yeah. And they said, well, you can just you can keep it. But there was actually nothing. I got the TV in the end. There was nothing wrong with the TV. 
Like had it but, even cut through the box? It was just a scratch. There was no, there was a scratch on the cardboard of the front, and there was nothing wrong with the actual TV. Um, and they were like, "Yeah, just just keep." So we got to keep two TVs, like. Yeah, because even you know, if, that, if you had returned that, a lot of the time it's, it's the same as the thing that happens with fashion. When you return stuff, it's too much effort for them to process the return to assess yeah. the quality of it. They just turf it out, goes into the bin. <laughs> Does it go in the bin in, in, in a clothes shop? I don't believe the amount of tech that gets shredded, like literally shredded. Hard drives are getting shredded constantly because they don't believe in the security of wiping them. Even though the security of wiping them is like proven to be like 99.999% effective these days. Um, yeah, just loads of technology just gets shredded into tiny little pieces. So right, it's absolutely mental, isn't it? So, uh, personal indulgence here for Maiden, right? So I, I've had this MacBook now for about six years, right? And it's at the point where it doesn't hold a charge at all. I have to have it plugged in if I want to use it, which is grand, doesn't bother me. But equally, I've been saying to me wife for the last little while, you know, I think the next big port to do, I'm gonna gonna get myself a new Mac. I don't need to. This does everything that it does. It's just that. So, can I get a battery replacement done for it, or are they just gonna laugh at me and be like? Get a new one, but you could, you could like, um, and you want to kind of find someone who knows Max really well. And there's loads of great people out there who are even like authorized by Apple to repair yeah, Max yeah. and stuff like that. Um, because Apple are just very sticky with this stuff now, they're opening up slightly more mm. with this right to repair movement. But like, Apple even has like screws that you know a normal screwdriver won't be able to unscrew. That's the kind of stuff that they use in their technology, they're called Pentalobe. Screws, so it does stuff like that. That everything's very proprietary with Max, so they tend to be trickier. But there's loads of people have gotten licensed and an experience in repairing them, and also refurbished Macs are fantastic. Yeah. So, on the resale market, Apple's products are one of the best things you can get on resale. Really? Because they repair, like they last really long to begin with. Now I'm talking about their Macs, not their headset thingy. <laughs> <laughs> their computers and their phones are really really well made and they last a really really long time even though they try and convince you to buy a new one every time they release a new one and they'll try and deprecate it by bringing out software that will actually tank the machine eventually and the the longevity of their tech it just it's kind of unmatched just in my personal experience mm. um, and the people that are trained to repair it are actually of a really really high standard because they have to get certifications and stuff like that and the refurbished I have a refurbished Mac um, and I know people who bought like refurbished iPhones and stuff like that and they last some ages and where can yeah. you find these refurbished uh, products there's actually a site called Refurbed. Um, I think they're originally a Dutch company. They're definitely a European startup anyway. Um, they launched in Ireland a couple of years ago and they're doing really well in the Irish market. Um, and there's other sites as well. That's just the one I know off the top of my head. And they're they're a good one that I would recommend because they thoroughly test everything and it actually comes with a guarantee. Now, it's not like the kind of like length of a guarantee that you'd get from buying new, but you actually yeah. get a guarantee. So like people who are a bit wary of buying refurbished thinking they'll have no kind of recourse if something goes wrong with it, they're a kind of safe path to go down. Yeah, the, re the refurbished stuff is good. And I know like I don't know, like my phone broke about two or three years ago. The phone I had broke and it wasn't due an upgrade yet. So rather than forking out the eight or nine hundred quid for a new iPhone, I think was it is it called Mint? Is there something called Mint or something like that? I think it was a refurb. Anyway, I don't know. But yeah, I, I got a refurb done and it was great. It lasted me the 18 months then and I was like deadly delighted with that. And it was great. So yeah, recycle well, tech is not actually that bad. Like, you know, but sure people are just so things. obsessed with the new. They all want the iPhone 411 or whatever we're on, you know? Yeah, yeah. but the, the, the Cafe Repairs is a great initiative. And the refurb yeah. side, I'm just learning new things all the time off you, Len. It's ridiculous. 
<laughs> nice. I'm just checking the name of it. Mint Plus, I think it's called. Oh, yeah. I think I might have seen an ad on that for that. Yeah, but anyway, is that yeah. On one of the sites, is it? Yeah, I think so. I, I think I saw an ad for it, or maybe somebody shared it somewhere, and that's how I found it, because I'm not very good. I mean, I know Google is easy to use now, but even that for me is a stretch at times. <laughs> Google has gone bad. Very bad. What's the story there? Right. So Google has gone shit because of uh, capitalism. <laughs> really? Everything's shit because of capitalism. Uh, so Google basically has been providing us all with this fantastic free service for years and years and years. Since 1998, it's been like the word in search. Uh, like literally, it's the word we use to, to do an internet search. Um, but it it has always struggled to make money from that. Um, mm. So it... it its main source of revenue is advertising. Uh, like it has other things, like it has Google Workplace where you can like, you know, use its uh, suite of tools, like things like Gmail with add-ons and stuff like that, but it still offers a lot of Gmail for free. It offers a lot of tools for free. Google Maps being free. Google Maps is the best thing in the world. Yeah. <laughs> and that's free. Um, and it also, like you don't have to read tweets from Elon Musk. Like what an amazing app. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but they've just been trying to crack the whole advertising tied tied in with their technology for years and years and years because being a billion multi-billion dollar approaching trillion dollar company isn't enough these days you have to make more money and be valued at more things have to keep going up forever and ever like it's insane and and because they've been pushing so many uh, ad products into search search has gone really really bad so Awful. Notice any search, even if it's not for a product, you will get some sort of a product sell in yeah. your search results now. And it takes, I think it's about the fifth or sixth result a lot of the time before you actually get your yeah, where you want. search results that aren't sponsored, that aren't um, those kind of boxed out product windows or something like that. And it's all because they're trying to just make money. I know I noticed that ages ago and I was wondering what the story was. But even about, I don't know, five, six years ago, you put in it what you're looking for. There would have been, it would have been it's it said at the bottom one of like a gazillion results, and now you've feck all like you've like one page or something of results. There was a whole thing. There was a whole Mental. show made of it. That, and you've ever heard of Dave Gorman's Google Whack? Yeah, it's amazing. It was great. Start. I don't think you could do it now, but at the time that he was doing it, it was so basically his whole thing was you had to put in two words. They had to be actual words from the dictionary, put them in, and the idea was that you find the one result out of the millions, billions, trillions, whatever were on Google. And you had to create a chain of these. Absolutely brilliant. But what you were saying there, Meryl, just remind me of it because like that, now your results, they just don't. I don't it does yeah, take me longer to find stuff. And I thought it was just me. I was just saying I'm, I'm a bit crap at Google for some reason. I thought it was just me. But now it seems like, okay, right, this makes more sense that yeah. I'm not as dumb as I thought it was. And it's just the way but now, Elaine, they're just charging people to put their results up on their site. All of the first like five, six results are to do with paid products. And then the other side of that is actually Google has another problem where its system is gamed a lot of the time. Now, it's got like a really, really smart algorithm to kind of filter out the like the good results from the bad results. And it does that by things like there's a thing called page rank where it will know if, if a site or a page is referred to a lot by other sites then it's more likely to be kind of an authoritative source like it's a very logical conclusion to make and that's why you will tend to get say like i imdb and things that they also know to be solid databases that they even use in their products so like imdb if you search for a film is going to come up near the top yeah. if you search for another concept or whatever wikipedia is going to come up near the top yeah yeah but beyond that when it becomes when it comes to like just other content online and like 
they filter out news websites because they've also got a Google News product. Um, so that kind of gets its own thing. So your BBC <clears> and New York Times and stuff like that, they'll show up in other little boxes. But say like, you know, an independent publication versus a blog versus like a chat on Reddit or something like that. And actually a real good hack that people are using on Google these days is just if you have a specific question, just type that question followed by Reddit because you're actually more likely to get a valuable result from the Reddit community. That wow. shows you. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a handy little hack. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, so like the content online, because, because it got so easy and like this is even pre-AI, I don't know we're going to have that conversation, <sighs> but it got so easy to just throw up shit online that that just meant like google crawling the web and trying to index the web and, and decide what value content versus what's a lot of crap from some rando uh it's actually very hard for it to do that yeah. um, and like people just jump on trending topics all the time like if you look up vision pro now you will get the uh the tech news websites and all all the news websites in the world will have covered that and i mean all of them even ones that have just been spun up to just generate Google advertising. So like even as a publisher myself, like we, we would have a problem with like people scraping your website, replicating your content on their own. Yeah. And it's just so they can sell ads. They're not even producing any content. And they would rank higher in some search results than we would because they were just spewing all of the trending content stolen from other sites onto their own site and all done automatically. No human effort involved. And it, it's all pre-AI. You could just scrape content and, and throw it up there. So is there, is there a nice alternative then? Uh, to Google, yeah, search like I used to. I remember using Ask Jeeves. Yeah, oh, yeah. Ask Jeeves, he was great. He had a, like the little butler. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And then there was like Alta Vista. That's like going yeah. way back. Yeah. Um, I tried to use Duck Duck Go, but I just thought it was shy. It has gotten better. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's early days. It was a bit ropey, but I do think now, like with Google getting so bad, it's definitely maybe worth a revisit. Um. Being, being <laughs> no, I I don't think it's very good. Like even with Google being bad, Bing is still a bit sloppy as well. And now because I'm even more wary to recommend Bing because they're so keen on integrating AI into the search. And the reason why AI is the worst thing you can do for search is like the thing about search is people want answers to things yeah. when they do a search. And even like if you go to Reddit, you at least know that that's like you know a person giving an answer to your query, and like that person might be someone with no knowledge or they might be someone with exactly the knowledge you know but you can kind of investigate that yourself and I think we understand when we see reddit comments on stuff like to do that whereas the authoritative way that these chatbots give you what they call answers is terrible because they're not answers at all it's a generate generated predictive text paragraph and they call that an answer to a query That's anthem, isn't it like, and like uh, uh, yeah go on then so I was going to say, like, this acts as a great segue to AI, and you're mm -hmm. probably sick to your teeth lane of having questions about AI and all this point. But it seems to be what everyone is obsessed with at the moment, particularly the whole chat GPT thing. And they're coming to take your job and the end of the human race is nigh and <laughs> all this kind of stuff. Like, what is going on? I don't see any pros to this at all. It actually scares me a bit. Really? I so. I think my first question to you guys is yeah. what what do you think AI is? Right. Um, For me... Uh, St right. Steven Spielberg and Tom Cruise in a film. <laughs> yeah, John Connor's Skynet Terminator. Yeah. <laughs> no, for me, like, <laughs> AI to me was like years ago when uh, they made that computer that played chess 
and it would mm. learn with everybody that I played against to the point in where like it just couldn't be beaten. It was just do you know what I mean? So that was AI, but now it's now it's a bit. It seems like it has a brain, like it's actually. It's like, predictive proper. text, is to me. Yeah, like, but it's it's predictive text, but it's also kind of like is isn't the whole thing that it learns with every question, like that you put in information and there that or am I going down the Skynet route with that? Like you're you're both right in many many ways, and I th- the reason why I asked it is because I think it's a really misunderstood term. And I think that's the fault of um, the hype machine around it. So, like, I mean, talking about the losing your jobs thing, GPT-3, I've been writing about for a long time and been aware of for a long time. And that wrote an article about itself maybe like four or five years ago, maybe more than that. (laughs) Like, that was fascinating. And I was a bit like, oh, crap, AI is going to take my job. Hasn't happened yet. So, like, people who are getting scared by the innovations in the last six months bear that in mind like because this stuff has actually been around for much longer than the last six months or whatever um, and it has been quite advanced for that time it's just the hype machine just went into overdrive in the last couple is there of any months. reason for the hype machine Elaine? it was that release of chat gpt and gpt3 that i mentioned that's the model that underpins chat yeah. gpt i'll explain mm-hmm. exactly what that means means in a second but chat gpt uh reached 100 million users faster than i think any product release ever it was i think it was like at a million within its first 24 hours so just the popularity of that release and everyone chattering about it online just meant that everyone was talking about ai and then every other company that's involved in tech in any way whether they were an ai company or not were like yeah we do ai give us money for investment because investment was also shrinking at that point and investors were pulling back and out of tech and have they'd been given free money to tech for like four straight years and then they were suddenly like oh actually no there's been a pandemic and now there's a war going on so let's not give so much money away and the way to get money out of investment was to be like we're doing ai ai is cool so every like everything snowballed into like if the motivations of people were to like boost AI to make money. Well, then everyone is talking about AI and all press releases are mentioning AI and everyone's pitching stories about AI and then everyone's using the AI. So that's why it blew up in the last few months. But I think that problem with the misunderstanding of exactly what it is, because it does mean a lot of different things, is because Mm. it actually is a whole field of study. That's why it means so many things. It's a bit like asking someone, what does computer science mean? And computer Mm. science has given us lots of things. And AI is a branch of computer science. It's not even a whole, the whole thing by itself. It would be, I think, easier if people understood it by the name complex computing, which is less sexy. Um, But that's basically what it is. So artificial intelligence is the name of the whole field of science around this. But what the goal is, is to make computations that do complex things. So instead of like simple, if this, then that logic processes and all that kind of logic is fed into computer programming and computer programming is about kind of interpreting specific coding languages. What if computers could understand natural language the way we speak to each other? And what if it could see, uh, air quotes, see um, things and interpret what things are in, in what it what it has in its field of vision. And that's what they mean by complex computing. It's it's just being able to do things that we take for granted as people, but are actually really, really complex for a computer. And it's why you see things like prove you're not a robot by picking out the traffic lights in this image. A, you were training an AI while you were doing that. Um yeah. <laughs> oh. Oh. Because you were like this this was part of like the training system where like the AI may have been having trouble identifying it from those images and you as a human come in and say oh it's this these ones are the traffic lights and then the ai learns 
from that. Yeah, we were doing free training for these AIs the same way we provided free data to all the social media platforms for them to learn (laughs) how to exploit us. Like, oh, yay, cool. Um, So, yeah, like complex computing is just doing a bit further than if this, then that. It's not like the aspirational goal is to kind of replicate the human brain. But like, we barely know how well the human brain works. Like even the best neuroscientists in the world would still struggle to tell you exactly every single function of the brain and how that works. So that's just really aspirational. And I think that's like what people envisage as they kind of have taken the aspirational thing of AI and that's become what we believe it to be. But all it is, is doing complex tasks and complex tasks for computer can be as simple as telling a, green apple from a tennis ball like that's complex for computers to do and being able to see and identify things and we use ai all the time like if you use face id to unlock your phone that's computer vision technology so that's ai so people are feeling like oh it's coming it's coming it's like it's here it's been here for years (laughs) yeah you're telling relax so then when we see things like these like (laughs) like i know the, the the images or whatever have terrible difficulty with hands and stuff like that, right? That seems to be the thing that everybody gets wrapped up on. But when you see some of the things and, and hear some of the things where it's somebody's voice or it's a video clip and like this deep fake technology, is that yeah. stuff, because that's like, like I, I've been fooled by it once or twice where, you know, I was sitting there going, that is that like I've had to go off and check if it's real. It made me actually go off and check. Was, people aren't going last to week uh, a friend of mine sent me uh, Liam Gallagher singing a Smith song and I was like what? it was like it was on yeah. YouTube and I was like what? that doesn't even sound like Liam Gallagher you know so, yeah. it's that kind of stuff that I'm like ah oh, that's right because like how quickly are they going to I don't know mimic Biden's voice Declare yeah. a war on somebody. So, do you know what I mean? Like that's an extreme, maybe. But yeah, no, no, they can't. They can do that already, and uh, they've gotten it down to like some really advanced uh, versions can replicate an entire voice with maybe like two, three minutes of audio recording. So, like just the fact that you guys have a podcast out there with all of these audio recordings of yourselves, you'd be very easy to replicate in audio now you'd still have to have the technology to do it some models are better than others the same way you will have seen some image generators have been better than others and and you were asking about pros earlier there is actually like good things that can be done with this technology like charlie bird's voice having been that was that technology and now there's a lot of issues around tech in accessibility and um, disability which is really really complex and uh and even going even to like, you know, prosthetics and stuff like that, it's kind of like rather than accepting people as they are trying to conform them to the model that we would like to accept. Putting that aside for one moment, Charlie Bird's voice was very important to him. He was a broadcaster who was known for his voice. So that was a really monumental thing that was done for him. And um, that was brilliant. Yeah. The company involved in that is a Dublin company called Merino Software. And um, like, th- that's amazing work. And they were telling me like how they had worked so hard to get it down to like the minimum amount of audio to reproduce someone's voice. And they're trying to do it for this healthcare reason in this health space or in this um, assistive technology space. Um, But you immediately get horrible use cases as well. And even like badly intentioned ones. So Amazon with Alexa was kind of selling the idea that like you can replicate your dead granny's voice. Isn't that cool? 
<laughs> like, oh, so that geez. could be abused really easily, especially with yeah. the amount of hacking of Alexas that can go on. Um, or you could replicate, you know, maybe not someone you know's voice, but like a voice that sounds real and do a robocall that like, you know, steals money from someone. Um, and then with deep fakes that do the visuals and stuff like that. And again, these don't even have to be good to be believed because a lot of the time, say like if you have a, a deep fake and it's a bit like, you know, potato quality video, but it's getting forwarded loads of times on WhatsApp yeah. on a small screen. So sometimes they don't even have to be good to be effective and to spread misinformation. But the other thing about technology that happens all the time, as soon as you have technology, you have sex stuff built around it. And that was in our first episode of the new season of For Tech's Sake. And that's very true. And the second you were able to generate AI, um, I think it was Spillity Diffusion, was one of the early um, image generators that came out there. Straight away, people made porn with it. And some of them shut down the ability to make porn with it, and some of them let it run. And the ones that let it run were finding that people were using it to deepfake, you know, famous people, people that they knew and stuff into sexual imagery, which is... Oh, jeez. And then selling it, like... Just even so, like it was just for themselves or just to share online, put on Reddit, whatever. Like, it's just, yeah. And like a lot of the times with technologists, they never think through these bad use cases. Like the sex stuff is so basic. Like it's been proven time and time again that straight away you build something, people are going to try and fuck it or <laughs> get off with it. <laughs> just, and the fact that they never think that part through is insane to me because it's like, that's always what happens. <laughs> yeah. And they never think through the bad stuff. Like, um, so many times they've released chatbots online. Um, and again, like there's the whole problem with like the their data set that they're built off of um is often like internet content. Mm. And it's it's typically unvetted because you're talking about like insane amounts of data, like a human couldn't process it, a team of massive amounts of humans could still struggle to process it all. But because it's just like training on internet data and the internet is full of crap as, as much as if it's full of good stuff they pick up really problematic stuff. So uh, there was a chatbot called Tay that Microsoft released uh, just years ago. I think that was around 2015 or something like that as well. Um, like within 24 hours, I think, became racist, misogynistic and stuff like that. Um, so the, it, like who'd be using this? So this was just a chatbot. So she, uh, she, um, she <laughs> called Tay um, and I think she was released onto Twitter so she could tweet with people. And just whatever way people push, because you have to blame people for this as well. They kind of push the models in different ways. The models aren't thinking. The models are generating results and they're trying to give you outputs that you want. So they're actually mm -hmm. taking the signals from you. And that's another thing to really bear in mind when you're interacting with this stuff. When guys interact with it and they're always like, the AI was flirty with me. But like it was interesting because I was listening to your, uh, your, your latest episode and I was watching a documentary uh, ages ago on Japan and there was a lot of um, there's a lot of men in Japan uh, in the sex industry that love the the blow up dolls. But not blow up dolls, they're silic like silicone dolls and they put stuff in to talk to them. But before they get to that stage, they love talking to a profile like a chatbot. And sometimes that chatbot, sorry, that chatbot is obviously it's a computer. It's been generated. And then it's like, where do they go then? Because they actually, when they're enjoying the conversation and it's then time to meet as it would be in the real world, there's nobody there. Oh, yeah. Um, there is this whole space with chatbot companions. Um, like There's a whole company called Replica that is, I, I believe, using 
GPT-3 to underpin its um, technology. And it, it like it, it was sold as just a companion app, but again, people wanted to have sex with it. So they had sexy uh, erotic role play features built in and then they disabled them and people talked about how it felt like they'd been broken up with because they'd ha- they felt like they had a relationship with this thing. And there's a lot, there's a lot going on there. Like there's so much psychology. There's a lot there. going on. I did speak to a scientist about this and the way he explained, he, he he's a lot of expertise in this whole area, like in terms of the psychology side and the technical side. And he was kind of explaining that there is good things to this. Like it's nearly like journaling is recommended a lot of times in, in um, mental health uh, counseling because it enables you to kind of offload things that you're feeling uh, and, and in a way that won't come back at you in any way because you're not offloading on a friend who might have any judgments uh, mm. to do with that or might like remember that and use it against you in any way. Like not a friend if they do that, but like you can, you can feel safe to offload things by putting them into a journal and um, doing it with something that can actually respond back with positive inputs that are maybe he- or helpful prompts can also be really good. So there's a lot of work going on in looking at um, how chatbots might be used in that kind of way to just support people who need to go through that process and are uncomfortable even with a counsellor to actually voice the problems that they're having or the issues that they're having. But like, it's just so, you have to be so careful with that stuff because it so easily becomes like this, again, like you have all the good intentions in the world in do- doing something like that building something like that but then a company comes along monetizes it like makes barriers towards getting it steals data from vulnerable people mm. um on top of it and also with a crisis in mental health services and an ai coming in to fill a gap it's like the morality of that as Absolutely. well it's, it's like you said at the start of the show the capitalist capitalism gets involved and then fucking hell like i'm all for that kind of concept if it's giving people like like a companion so to speak you know and if they do kind of uh take the boxes and the mental health side of things as well but then some fucker comes along and wants to monetize it and yeah yeah just all the scientists wanted to be like what they call human in the loop ai mm. so it should this just shouldn't be like operating by itself it should be assistive it should be helping people the way it helps doctors like because doctors an individual like radiologists would struggle to scan all of the available information that is there on like scans to identify say cancer or something like that but an ai can help them do that and help them to identify problems earlier and better than they could by themselves that's when you've got assistive ai it's it's really really prominent in the medical space yeah. um, and that's yeah. where it's it's very very useful but it shouldn't be like a oh let's just let ai take care of that problem because we're just so good we've been proven so good at outsourcing problems in this problematic way for years we've done it to people for a really long time when we outsource our waste to other countries and we outsource our customer support to other countries let them be yelled at so that i don't have to be yelled at in my cushy job and like <laughs> the ai training as well like people kind of think of it as like oh it learns by itself like as i said we've trained it by clicking traffic lights and boxes um, and there's also this thing called Mechanical Turk, um, which is basically like a, a micro jobs website. And it's really, really popular in uh, low economy companies and, and uh, communities that have really low income opportunities. And they sign up to these like micro jobs on Mechanical Turk. And that could be like labeling data for these massive data sets and saying like, that's a cat, that's a dog, that's a cat, that's a dog, that's a cat, that's a dog. So the, there's actually loads of people behind this, but again, they're exploited poor workers that don't have a voice. 
I think it, it feels like everything is, it's never the, the science or the technology or whatever. It's the bad actors who then see a gap and go, I can use that to do that. Yeah, and, of course. You know, um, you, you can spend hours, days, weeks, months, years talking about AI and, and the conversation will definitely continue. But uh, before we let you go, Elaine, I'm always fascinated uh, at least once every couple of months, somebody, either a friend or my partner or whatever, will say to me, Alexa's listening to me or my phone is listening to me because they'll have said something in a conversation somewhere and sure enough then they get an ad for whatever it is that they've been talking about. Are we being spoiled on? Do we need to start putting on tinfoil yes. hats? And are, like, like, does Leo Varadkar know what type of toilet roll I buy? I get asked <laughs> this all the time as well. And I literally had an incident in the past week where uh, someone said it's very similar to our story to me. And it's happened to me as well. So it's it's not beyond the realms of possibility because you have you put a speaker in your house that's owned by a private company that trades on user data and is b- built to listen for you to say the wake word, which is Alexa um, or uh, Google or Siri or whatever it is. Uh, so it's not meant to record anything until it identifies the wake word and you know it's it's an imperfect solution it won't always get it right sometimes you'll say something that sounds somewhat like the wake word and it will just perk up maybe say something to you and then it will shut up because it's realized that it's not that it's not it's time <laughs> not yeah. not you and um, and it's if you have signed up for it check your privacy policy check what you signed up for if you have signed up for you know approving the service that data of a mistaken uh, awakening will actually be sent for review so that they kind of try to minimize the amount of times that that happens so they try to improve the service so when you sign up to improve the service think of that because a lot of people tick that box that they're thinking of it because it's presented as this is good to make the product better and this is good for you this is good for everyone but like with those speakers especially really think that through because that's what that means normally the um nothing will be sent from the device uh unless you approve that and otherwise it will actually, you know, conduct a search and that's sending information out because that's you asked it for the weather or the cinema listings or something like that. So it's meant to do early stage kind of processing on device is what they call it and not connect with the internet unless it's really identified that you have requested something. So it should be on request. But again, that's not to say it's not possible. That's not to say that Amazon recordings haven't been used in uh, criminal investigations in the States. They have. Um, that's not to say that Amazon has forgotten to delete recordings or neglected to delete recordings that it should have. It got a recent uh, fine just in the last couple of weeks for doing that. And this was recordings of children that it was definitely not supposed to have stored. Um, so companies make mistakes. And I would genuinely say that I do think that this was in the case of the storage of the recordings and stuff like that. That's companies making mistakes, having loads of processing data to do and being lazy about it and not being methodical about it. They can spy on you but why would they like there's so many millions of users of these products like uh we can get a bit self-centered and be like it's spying on me me specifically what it probably did was created you wouldn't believe what your digital profile would give away about you so if it's say like you had a conversation with someone about this product and then that product turned up in your instagram feed the person who's in the room with you when you talked about that product might have looked it up on their phone your phones would have pinged that you were in the location together and they have a relationship together. 
and it will create a footprint there that this person was interested in that product and then went on and buy it. So maybe let's send it to other people in their network to see if they also want to buy it. So it can actually be done way simpler than having to listen to you. That is mental though, isn't it? Because like I felt it's happened to me before, even I remember talking to someone last summer and talking about um uh booking a holiday. Um and then I remember coming home. I was in Bosnia last June and I came home and I remember talking to someone about Sarajevo. And then that evening, like this is about a month later, um, after I came home, uh, then visit Sarajevo ads came up on my Instagram. Yeah. Like, how the hell did that happen? Like sometimes it can be so specific, and sometimes you can forget the thing that you interacted with that made that part of your digital footprint. Like, and it's happened to me, and even like when I know what's happening, I still am creeped out. Like when I had booked uh, a trip away recently, Instagram started telling me to buy my duty free via the loop. And I hadn't told Instagram that I was going away, but my Gmail had the confirmation from my booking. Jesus, and then like my Gmail is what I used to log into uh, Instagram. So like that's, that's your digital footprint. You, you're actually creating a lot of the, these interconnections yourself. And I'm not putting it on the user or like that. Like it's creepy how this is done. A lot of tech. I do. I kind of like, describe it it's like it's the it's the um the shop assistants that no one likes like it's it's too invasive <laughs> and like I, I can handle this myself it's fine leave me alone yeah i'm okay go leave me alone will you yeah. so that's like that's like that to the phone i fucking stop it's like but right it's that's like, get it. it's useful but it's terrifying equally like do you know what i mean like i mean you boys it, it makes sense now. Now. it is all it makes useful? sense how you described it or is it just like it's presented as useful? All this stuff is always presented as useful, but what it really is, it's useful to them to make money. Because you know what mm. else they do? They 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 do that thing where they're like, store your credit card details. That's good for you. That's not good for you. No, I That's never not do good that. Good for you at all. Yeah, never. A, yeah, you're liable to a hack then because how much do you trust that company to protect your credit card information? And B, friction in the consumer process is the best thing that can happen to you and your wallet because if it's hard to do you will second guess your purchase once you have to like get up off your seat and pick up the carriage you're like actually maybe i don't want a year's supply of tato right now (laughs) (laughs) always want a year's supply of tato i I wish i got that message during lockdown the first lockdown when i bought a q cullen statue (laughs) yeah you bought a q cullen statue an ornament why I was pissed drunk in, in the March of lockdown the first the first month and I completely forgot about it. Arrived in May and I have a Kukulin statue up there. I really want this to, this to be one of those eBay stories where people thought they bought a sofa for a bargain, but it's like for a, a doll's house. <laughs> no, no, not quite that. But it was still, it still when it arrived, I was like, what the fuck is that? And then I went, had to go through my receipts and I was like, oh, that was the night I did. What was the, what was the thing at the time you're doing that party app? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But like you're dead right though because the the bit of friction is the be- the amount of impulse purchases I have made based on the fact that Apple Pay is an option, and that's I I deleted my cards off it purely because I was like, I'm after buying like twelve pairs of runners in three weeks. I need to fucking get a grip here, like. <laughs> Just because you watched Save the Dance, the Last Dance, it's not Save the Last Dance, Grand. That's a completely different film. What What's it called again? It's called, just called the Last Dance, Grand. Or the Last. Oh, both great the films. They are both great films, but entirely Two great films. <laughs> Elaine, you know what you're saying. Just before I let you go, because it's on my mind since you said it. Um, the Charlie Bird uh, software, that company. So, would that company, 
in order to make that, and this might sound a, a dummy question, but would they have had to got arc uh, approached RTE for archive of his voice in order to do all that? Yeah, so obviously with Charlie, they were so lucky that so many recordings of his voice existed. And um, because like by the time he contacted them, he wasn't able to do the recordings himself. They have worked with people that know that they are going to eventually lose their voice and they can like, you know, they're not broadcasters and don't have banks of recordings of their voice yeah. and they can record in advance and um, but with Charlie they didn't have that advantage but they had all of that content and Charlie's wife I believe is also a producer in RTE and I think it might have been her idea to approach them because she had worked on a TV show well, um, called The Big Life Fix it's a great show I really hope they do another version of it and um, with with one of those people who knew she was going to lose her voice and had recorded in advance so she remembered that got in touch with the guys at Marino Software and then Unbelievable. That's amazing, isn't it? Because I always felt that they had it so soon, you know, because he was on the Late Late Show with his voice and the next minute, four or five months later, he's on the Late Late Show with the, the with the assistant technology. And I just thought, this is superb, like, amazing. Yeah. I was really, like, um, user-centric the way they worked with the people to build that technology. And uh, technology always is best when it's done that kind of way, as opposed mm. to, and that's why with disability, tech for disabilities and tech for assistive tech and stuff like that it's really important to do it that way because you really understand what people actually need and you're definitely you know all the best intentions you need to get that information because you might think you know what's best for people but no one knows best for people than themselves absolutely once they just don't take over my sport the wheelchair basketball like robot wars or something controlling us i don't want danny controlling me from the terraces Like like the episode of Father Ted, but I have the yeah. poster there in the background. Yeah, Father Jack in the Should wheelchair. Years ago, like I was uh, <laughs> talking to again, like a, a, an Irish entrepreneur. She works on cybersecurity for medical devices, and the reason why I was talking to her is because it might have been the West Wing or House of Cards. It was one of those political dramas had done an episode where a pacemaker got hacked, and I was what? like. What? Could this happen? And again, not beyond the realms of possibility because there's more tech being input into those medical devices. But she specifically works in the space of protecting those devices and making sure that that shit can't happen. Yeah. Well, from the last episode of For Tech's Sake, did we not establish that vibrators can be hacked? Yeah. Isn't that fun? <laughs> like what information is on a vibrator that hackers want? Well, sometimes people are just hacking things just to fuck with people. Um, Literally. <laughs> 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 that wasn't even on purpose but uh yeah um it's a very strange one like i mean spend your time getting credit card details off the deep web you weirdo <laughs> yeah like it's... why are you doing this but it was also like a lot of them were doing it just to prove how easy it was because a lot a, a lot of the times uh like that whole era when everything was going smart which basically mm. meant internet connected and this is why you shouldn't use a language that they use yeah. for these um internet connected complex computing let's use these terms but um they would put chips into everything and they weren't necessarily people who were experienced building technology so they had default settings on all the cybersecurity around these uh, internet connections so it was kind of like you know zero 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 for your pin and like, uh, yeah. no pass, like security settings on the wi-fi all that kind of stuff so yeah it was just like a real lesson in connecting things to the internet and the things that can happen, especially when you let people do that willy-nilly without any kind of, I don't know, like product liability requirements. And that's something that's coming down the line for AI is like AI liability. Because like if an AI does something 
that causes you to be judged too harshly uh, in a sentencing. Um, now, it's in, in Europe, it's not going to be allowed to use in justice cases. Um, mm. It stops you getting a job because it's scanned your CV and found that people like you don't generally do this job. And that's because of industrial bias and not because like there's anything wrong with you. Uh, again, not it's if the EU AI comes to bear the way it's meant to do, it won't be able to be used for stuff like this. But who is liable if AI causes harm? Exactly. So that's what they're trying to do. Uh, it's like it's like it's like the Irish Times article that, that it was uh, actually this is AI. This wasn't that journalist. They didn't oh, fit the journalist. Like that, that was when I was thinking, oh, this is for, for the arts and for journalism, for media. This is going to be a bit mad here. Yeah, like that. Irish Times. No, he, I saw heated discussions about that article online and it wasn't even fucking real. Yeah, no, it was. Uh, I saw Brianna Perkins talking about it and she was saying it is a topic that she had seen written about elsewhere. So it wasn't like something unheard of as like a topic mm. for debate. Right. Um, I like I, I really curious about the motivations of the person who did this because uh, it's a very strange thing to do and the Irish Times investigation very is still ongoing but like the thing about that is it's like on the internet no one knows you're a dog is one of the old, oldest jokes about the internet it was a New Yorker cartoon I think and it's like yeah, a dog at a computer saying that I can't believe we've got to 2023 and people haven't realised that yet. Like, <laughs> yeah. someone is out of the blue trying to contribute to your publication and you have high standards as a publication, like you're the paper of record for Ireland. You should probably communicate with that person and vet them somewhat. Yeah. And what, what was really shocking to me was what people said, that there was no online presence for this person. I'm not saying you have to have an online presence to be a writer, but if I'm going to shortcut things and not actually contact you directly and speak to you about who you are and what you're about, because I don't know you from Adam and you're trying to contribute to my publication. Um, if I'm going to shortcut that, I'm going to Google you. And that would raise a red flag if you mm-hmm. have online presence. And then I would be like, well, I can't do the shortcut method. I'm going to have to try and reach out to this person and contact them and vet them. Do you have to vet? I have a Zoom. It's, but it's like, I mean, I, my nine to five is dealing with media stuff and we'd get media queries in from all sorts. And if I don't recognize the name, the first thing I'm doing is like that, having a look around to see, have they even got a blog? Have they got anything that this is a legitimate query and it's not some fucking shady stuff or, you know, like I I was baffled that this got through whatever nets are in place by the, like, as you said, the paper of record, like it just seemed to me that somebody dropped and I don't, I'm not trying to attribute like blame to a single person here or whatever. Mistakes happen, shit happens, but it just seemed incredible that it had got as far as I had. And it was only after the fact that someone was like, nobody checked, nobody. Yeah, and the the thing is, there's probably like, it's probably not that someone, you know, thought, oh, let's just publish and disregard our policy. It could have even been a miscommunication, you know, like a chain of command, someone passes it on and means for someone to vet it, but they don't understand that they think just publish it. Things like that can happen very, very easily. Absolutely, yeah. It's actually like, it's a really interesting thing with tech. Like the more at a remove we work and like the bigger companies get and they can get big and still communicate with another one another because of tech, we actually are more vulnerable to these things. Like even with cybersecurity and phishing, like the fact that I could look up now your company and where you work, I could have uh, probably from LinkedIn, find out who you're like reporting manager mm. is dupe their email send you an email that looks like it's from them said open this file right away and fill in this information and that's done all the time oh, yeah, and I'm if, going to delete my LinkedIn a... straight away <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, like, yeah. 
it's not that you shouldn't no you shouldn't you should still be able to have linkedin no i know yeah the solution there is that like in your workplace you actually do need to be connected with people you maybe need to have like you know like a teams chat or a slack chat where you mm. only connect with people that you work with and you can say just got this email from you i just want to check that yeah. what, what's that about like yeah, if you don't have the ability to do that and if you're very disconnected from the people you work with that's how you get hacked I'm, I'm, I'm always amazed by the amount of information people put on linkedin always amazed like every people who have like you know everything about their school like everything about their education every bit of work detail they've ever done and i'm like i'm nervous for you but I'm ne- like it's just I'm going through your security questions now and being like yeah, yeah. i know what school and what street they grew yeah. up yeah but uh yeah I, elaine it's, it's been great talking to you and it's Thanks always so much, like time. tech Tech blows my mind in every way, and it's mostly just through sheer ignorance on my side. But um, thanks so much for your time this evening, and uh, all the best with for tech's sake. I'm looking forward to listening tomorrow to that now. And Elaine, are you? Is it? Is there a frequency in which you're on Ireland AM, or is it just once and once a month or so? It's literally once a month now. It's not any set time of the month or anything like that. And I was on twice last month because someone was on holidays, so like at like least twice. once. A month. Uh, I'm on the radio every Monday night with Matt Cooper, not talking about tech, talking about TV, because uh, I'm also mad into TV and media and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, that's where you can find me. Deadly. I am. Or the AM should get you on more than once a month. Who do I write to? Oh, directly to Tommy. Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> Elaine, thanks so much. And Bowser shit. <laughs> <laughs> Big, big thank you to Elaine there for our time and for putting us wise on some things and alleviating fears about AI while also making me absolutely terrified of LinkedIn and me Alexa. (laughs) And uh, Elaine never said about her Twitter account, but she can be found at at Critical Red Pen on Twitter. Um, That's a great name. I love that. I'm always talking about red pen and things and work. That's a great name. Yeah. And her, her, her podcast is excellent. Um. I've recently, I, I think I said there in the interview, I saw Elaine maybe a couple of months ago on Order They Am and mm. I started following her and listening to the podcast. And it was just excellent, very easy to listen to. I'm a big fan of people who are so comfortable in their knowledge and are such good communicators that they can make something really complex and intimidating, very simple and engaging. Yeah, and Elaine's a brilliant communicator. And even yeah. when she's on the TV, it's just so clear and concise and and accessible i think she's brilliant absolutely for a boss man would you behave yourself graham would you for god's sake um where can anyone listen to us dan john murray uh they can get us on spotify on apple podcast wtspod.com of course stitcher podbean podcast republic podcast addict anywhere and everywhere you can get a podcast you can get all 300 plus episodes of this award-winning audio presentation featuring me and my good friend Graham Merrow Merrigan. Um, you can also, if you wish, follow us on the social medias. Um, we're on Elon Musk's website at Merrigan Mania at Dan John Murray. And we're on Mark Zuckerberg's uh, site, part of the metaverse, I believe, uh, is the term he likes to use, the Instagram. And that's the same usernames at Dan John Murray at Merrigan Mania. And of course, if uh, if you're looking to find us in person, Graham will be signing autographs in Dubray Books uh, on... Oh, sorry, it's the one that's the Lorgan you're in, isn't it? That's it, yeah. 
Yeah, he he doesn't have a book right now. He just sits outside it and he signs bits of paper for people. Um, don't uh, yeah, sit don't, outside eating Rowland Donut and signing autographs. Yeah, don't don't give him a lotto ticket because technically he gets to keep it then if it's a winner. So you right. have to I'll sign him, the back of it. Yeah, yeah, you'll have to give him something else to sign. Um, he will sign body parts for what it's worth, so long as they're big enough. Isn't that the way you you do you do it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, fucking hell. Right. Anyway, look, that's it for this week. Big thanks to Lane. Meryl, thank you as well to you. I'm gonna go enjoy the last evening soon. I might have an ice cream. And the sun is beaming into your room there and it looks lovely. So go God, and enjoy God. it. Until have, next time. I have Biscoff ice cream downstairs, Graham. Will milk. you send me some vision of that? I will send you a vision of that. Yes, until okay. next time. And until next time, I had a Raffaello ice cream, which I loved. Until next time, clear eyes. Blue five until next time. It's full hearts. Until next time, clear eyes. <laughs> Can lose. Until next time. Until next time. <laughs> Good luck.